We are back for another Quick Locks podcast, the first podcast since the rebrand from the Quick Transition. And what better way to start it off than with a college football season win total over under. I'm joined by my good friend, Luke Stone, and we are going to be talking about our favorite locks for over unders. We each have five. We're going to give them to you. And Stone, I feel pretty good about each one that I have. How about you? Well, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but they're all locks. I mean, I wouldn't pick them if they were locks, if they weren't locks. But I mean, these are these are all. I mean, man, if, if these don't hit, I might have to might have to get a, a second, third, and fourth job to pay back the debts. But I'm I'm very optimistic about these. Yeah, I am too, and that's the best part about season win totals. You can go really in depth into the analysis. You can go through the season. You can go through who they're bringing back. There's so many different ways to look at it. And that's why our confidence level is high, very high, probably too high. But anyways, we're going to give them to you. Stone, why don't you head, go ahead and start us off? What's your favorite win total lock? Well, it, it feels somewhat sacrilegious for me to lead off with this one, seeing as, you know, Florida flag is behind my head. Uh, and I have a lot of family that have attended the University of Florida. However, one of my favorite bets in college football this season is Florida under nine wins. Now, first of all, we were talking about this before we went live. I love that there's no hook here. I love that it's exactly nine because I have to basically decide, do I think that it is more likely that Florida will win eight games or win 10 games? And I'm looking through their schedule. I think that it is very likely that they lose at least two games. I would say even likely they lose three games then potentially a fourth, not sure where exactly that one might come from, but with an uh, almost entirely new offense with a lot of skill position players having graduated, including Kyle Pitts, the third overall, fourth overall, fourth overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, Kyle Trask, Kadarius Tony, all of those weapons gone. Uh, it's going to be really hard for Florida to retool on the offensive side of the ball. And even though they are bringing back some, um, some of their best defensive players from last season, Kyrie Lim will still be uh, out in that secondary um, Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham haven't exactly been known for defensive production recently, um, which will put the onus even more so on uh, first-year starting quarterback Emory Jones, who is now a junior, um, played very restricted minutes his first couple of years, gotten a couple of the weird wild cards, uh, um, uh, wildcat snaps that Dan Mullen likes to throw at defense to change things up, but he's going to be carrying this entire offense. Um, they have a home game against Alabama. I think they'll lose. Uh, they also play LSU and Georgia. Um, and other teams in their schedule. You never know where a loss is going to come from in the SEC, um, but certainly a, a chance to drop a game to a team like a Missouri or a Tennessee if they end up being better than expected. Um, but I think if it comes down to whether or not they'll win 10 or they'll win eight, which is what the exact number nine makes you do, I think it is much more likely they go eight and four in that regular season than, uh, than 10 and two or better. Yes, and you took the words right from my mouth. When the win total is at an even number like it is here, or not an even number, but whenever it's not 0.5, which it usually is for these type of things. A round number, I guess. A round number. Thank you. It's You have to look at it like this. Does Florida Is Florida more likely to go 8-4, and four, or are they more likely to go 10-2? and two? And in this case, with Alabama and Georgia on their schedule, um, I definitely think that they're more likely to go eight and four and you will cash out on that bet. The SEC East isn't as tough as the West, but I do think that there are some games that could trip them up a little bit. Missouri, um, I think will be ranked by the end of the season. Kentucky, Tennessee, you never know. Um, especially with Emory Jones at quarterback. Um, I, I don't see him starting by the end of the season. I don't know what's going to happen. He might get hurt when he's out scrambling like he does a lot. 
but he could just be overwhelmed by the pressure of being the main guy for, for the University of Florida. Um, we'll see. But with all the weapons that they lost last year, it's going to be really hard for them to get to nine wins. So I love that understone. We're going to hammer that. We're also going to hammer my favorite win total, which is NC State, over six and a half. The Wolfpack are returning 18 starters. And from what I've heard, everyone is all over this win total. It was NC State over six, and that was plus 125. Vegas has had to put them back up to six and a half, and it's all the way down to minus 105 just because people are so high on the Wolfpack. That makes me a little scared considering I grew up an NC State fan, and they let me down so many times. But I do like the over here. They're returning 18 starters, like I said. The ACC Atlantic is a very weak division. They're preseason number two behind Clemson, obviously. Um, and then they have an easy out-of-conference schedule to start things off with South Florida, which is actually Thursday night this week. Very excited for that one. Um, Mississippi State on the road. I think that's a winnable game. And then Furman and Louisiana Tech. I think I see them winning those four games. And when you're at six and a half win total, you just need to find three more wins. And in the AC, ACC Atlantic, it's not too tough when you have teams like Wake Forest, Louisville, Syracuse, Boston College. I think they'll be able to scrape their way to seven wins at least. But Stone, honestly, I could see this team getting to eight wins. I agree with you. And Go ahead. What do you have? What's next? I was going to say, speaking of over-unders and overs, to be exact, that everyone is all over, Ole Miss, seven and a half. I absolutely love, love that over down in Oxford. Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral led the 14th best offense in the country last year. And Ole Miss's schedule, while, yes, it's the SEC West gauntlet, it is important to remember that there are a lot of teams in the middle of rebuilds in the SEC West. Um, and Ole Miss has a rather advantageous schedule on that front. Louisville, Austin P, and Tulane at the beginning of the season should all be wins. I know there's some people who like Louisville. I would um, edge on the side of Ole Miss there. Alabama, they'll probably lose that one. But Arkansas, Tennessee, Liberty, Vanderbilt, those are four wins that they're probably going to have, which will get them to seven. And then, I mean, you never know. Auburn, um, Auburn's retooling. Uh, LSU at home could be a win for them. Um, and I just, and, and Mississippi state is probably going to end up firing Mike Leach at the end of the season based on how things went last year. So seven and a half just seems like a really low number uh, for a team that was as talented as Ole Miss was last year. Obviously the loss of Elijah Moore um, to the NFL draft is going to be a lot uh, for them to replace, but Corral is a great quarterback and Lane Kiffin is one of the most innovative offensive minds in the country. And um, with all the tools we'll have at his, dispo at his disposal, getting more and more of his recruits meaningful minutes uh, as he enters his second season. Um, I absolutely love Ole Miss over seven and a half. Yeah, Stone, down in Oxford, they're saying that Matt Corral is going to win the Heisman. He does have the fourth best odds. Um, and if this is his Heisman season, they're going to get to seven and a half wins. And you mentioned the Alabama game, which you said was a loss, which definitely um, – is going to Alabama is going to be the heavy favorite there, but I do think that there's a little upset watch there. Um, it's in Bryant Denny, but I think that Ole Miss might sneak up on Bama and get one of those weird upsets that it seems like we see almost every five years against Alabama. Is that fair? Every five ish, and it's not necessarily always in Bryant Denny. You had the South Carolina one, I think Alshon Jeffrey was on that team, and then the Johnny Manziel one, of course. And then I guess, would you count the the weird um, 
kick six, obviously, but that wasn't in Brian Denny. The LSU nine to six game. Actually, that was 2011. I can't remember. I don't know. But yeah, there always is some weird Alabama loss, uh, especially when they're coming off of the national championship like they are um, and coming off of losing, you know, all of their offense to the NFL, basically. Yeah, it, it's pro- it's probable or possible that they could have a huff- tough time handling Ole Miss. Heck, even when they had all that talent last year, uh, and their defense was a little banged up. Ole Miss gave them a run for their money. So I, I that's that could be a really sneaky good game. Yeah, I like it a lot. If there is one crazy prediction, crazy game prediction that I have to give you, um, it is Ole Miss beating Alabama. And that will lead me to my next under, which is Alabama 11 and a half. Vegas has them going undefeated. Um, and they'd have to go undefeated for me not to win this bet. Alabama under 11 and a half, it's minus 125. And I think that this is the year that Bama does not go undefeated, even though it does seem like it happens every year. Um, they're bringing in Bryce Young. He's a freshman quarterback. I just don't like put projecting a freshman quarterback to lead a team um, to go undefeated, especially in the SEC West, which is the toughest division in college football this year. There's so many teams that are just very solid. We talked about Ole Miss, Texas A&M, um, Auburn. LSU's back. LSU's back. They could be. Um, can't see Cocho having another rough year. But I like Alabama under, which is just not – I don't feel good about it at all because it's Alabama. But I just don't see this team going undefeated this year. Like you mentioned, Stone, they play four in week three. That's definitely not an easy game, um, especially so early in the season. Yeah, it is. Let's not let's not give Dan Mullen more credit than he deserves. That's a, that's a win. Like, you can puzzle that in now. Okay, that's a win. I do see them lose. They have to go on the road to Texas A&M um, in College Station. That's a tough game. That'd be a fun one for them to lose. It I would think. be. It would be. And, I, I mean, I, that's got to be college game day, you think. Um, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, probably in one of the best um, SEC games of the season. So, Alabama under 11 and a half. I like it, Stone. Is it terrible to say Bama's not going to go undefeated? Well, I mean, to make – it's hard. It's hard to pick against Bama, but at the same time, all the logic is there. Um, I don't think it's a stay away. I think minus 125 for a team not to go undefeated is pretty darn good odds because it's usually, um, you know, much lower than that. And I, I think it's important to remember that Bama is at times human and just a lot to go undefeated in the regular season. And it might not – the loss might not be the game we're expecting to be the loss. Um, but certainly potential for them to not to go undefeated. And I think that at a number that that you're returning that much money on at minus 125, I think it's probably the side I'd bet more than anything else. Staying in the uh, SEC, very controversial pick here. I know it's hard to imagine for those of you who've been watching SEC football your entire lives. I actually love the Vandy over. I love the Vandy over. Wow. The number is three and a half, but they have a new coach in Clark Lee from Notre Dame. Notre Dame has a really, really gritty program. They're a very, they're a hardworking bunch of guys up there. 106th ranked strength of schedule, including games against East Tennessee State, UConn, and Colorado State. I mean, all of those seem like they're very, very winnable. It's, um, I mean, they're already in the SEC, and the fact that their strength of schedule is so low means that you know that their out-of-conference games have to be very simple. Yeah. They're playing Stanford. Stanford is, yeah, better than Vanderbilt for sure. But they're playing Vander. They're playing at home against Stanford on September 18th. Stanford's win total over under. I didn't realize this is only four. They play in the weakest Power Five conference, and their win total over under is just the number four. 
Um, so first of all, they could win, they could open up the season. Uh, I guess that would be four and one by being beating East Tennessee State, Colorado State, Stanford, and UConn, losing to Georgia on September 25th. Like, I, I mean, I would bet my life on that virtually. No one actually write that down. Don't come for me. Um, but they could hit that number easily. And then they have, have the, they play in the weaker SEC division. Kentucky could always be bad. Tennessee could always be bad. South Carolina might be bad. Um, and then they also play Mississippi State, who, you know, I know I've been bagging on Mississippi State all during this podcast, but they're probably gonna have to fire their coach at the end of the season. And they lost KJ Costello, who could just throw the ball a bajillion times um, for Mike Leach. So wouldn't be surprised if they won that game, especially playing at home. I, I'm not saying they're, I'm not gonna put Vandy on bull watch by any stretch of the imagination. I don't wanna get anyone in Nashville's hopes up way too high, but three and a half with a schedule that terrible. I mean, just too good to resist for me. Take it to the bank, Stone. Vandy over three and a half. And you can get your money after week five when they beat UConn. I love this bet. If they do end up slipping up early in the season and not winning one of those four games that they should probably win, um, it'll probably be Sanford if they do end up losing one of those. Then I can see them getting a win um, in the SEC, especially with a new coach. He's got to get at least one SEC win in his first season, right? Maybe not. I don't know. We'll Uh, see. uh, We'll see. Maybe. I love that over. I also love the over of the Indiana Hoosiers at seven and a half. Everyone is high on them this season, and I am as well. Legendary Indiana voice Don Fisher, this is coming straight from the Hoosier Daily, says that this is the best-looking Indiana football team that he has seen in his time as the football commentator. Stone, he has been there for 49 years, and this is the best team that he's seen. I love Indiana this year, and – if this is the best team that he's seen in 49 years, then you'd think that they'd win eight games, right, and cover that spread. I think that they have seven locked wins this year. Um, easy out-of-conference schedule. Idaho, Western Kentucky, Mississippi State, I think that they win those three games. And then the Big Ten, um, there are some winnable games as well. You have Maryland, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Purdue. I have Indiana winning those seven games, and then they'll just need one more to cover that seven-and-a-half win total. Um, and I think that they'll be able to find a win in the, maybe even in the season over, they play Iowa. I think that they could win that one. Penn State um, on the road, Michigan on the road as well. I think that they can find a win in one of those three um, and get you your money at eight wins. I would say it might be worth hammering that right there. Love um, it. Love it. <laughs> it's also interesting that you bring up the uh, best team in 40 years thing, because you know, there are three times since 19 or no two times since 1981 that Indiana has won eight games or more. The first time came uh, or no three times 87 and 88 under coach Bill Mallory. They went eight and four and eight, three and one. And then last year with Tom Allen at eight and five. So if this is the best team he's ever seen, it would mathematically make, make sense. Fun fact, Lee Corso was a coach at Indiana for a very long time and posted records as bad as two and nine, one and 10 and four and seven, but he is the leading voice of college football for ESPN and never forget it. Um, my uh, my most optimistic over under actually not most op- optimistic the one that I am most excited about is Texas over seven and a half. Bijan Robinson, great running back. Steve Sarkeesian, decent coach. But most of this has to do with the Big Twelve. I don't think the Big Twelve is that good outside of Oklahoma State, Texas, um, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. Those four very good. Other than that, not very good. Um, Texas's non-conference isn't anything too crazy. They play Arkansas, who they'll probably beat. 
Uh, they should beat Louisiana this weekend, but wouldn't be surprised if that's be a weird loss. But I mean, Rice, Arkansas, Louisiana are their non-conference games. I expect them to win at least five in conference, potentially those, all three of those out of conference. Um, and I mean, at least five in conference is like the most pessimistic I can imagine because I'm sorry, there is just no way that Texas is going to lose to a Kansas, a Kansas State or West Virginia this season. It's just not happening. Yeah, I think that that's a great over, especially, I mean, they're bringing in their new coach. I like that hire, um, getting Alabama's offensive coordinator. I think that's exactly what they need. They need some firepower offensively, um, and they have just that with their starting running back, who is Stone, I'm queuing you up. Dijon Robinson. Dijon Robinson. Um, Dijon, B as in boy. Bijan. Texas has a lot of talent this year, and I like the over there as well um well it's like the problem with tom herman wasn't recruiting it was the stuff that was happening on the field and kind of generally program culture but like he's got athletes he's got dudes they'll be fine it's not like sarkeesian not having a good recruiting class last season if i don't even know if that were the case or not but that that doesn't that kind of stuff doesn't manifest for two or three years um all of the guys who are coming of age now we're back during the texas is back after the win against georgia in the sugar bowl days like they'll be good yeah High on Texas as well. I'm going to go to my last win total, or we have what, two more? Stone, Stone you have one more. I have two more left. Um, I've given you my Bama under, but let me just, let me just fade the entire state of Alabama. I'm going with the Auburn under seven and a half wins. Um, you can get that at minus 135. So obviously Vegas likes it too. Auburn only has five games that I'd consider definite wins. Um, they play Akron, Alabama State, Georgia State, Mississippi State, and then at South Carolina. Yeah, I'll give them those five games, but then they're going to have to find three games somewhere else if they want to hit the over here, and I don't see them hitting really any of them. They have to play Penn State in Happy Valley. That's a night game in week three. It could be a whiteout. It's just a very hard um, environment to play in if you're the road team. Then they have to go to LS to Death Valley to take on LSU. Um, they play Georgia at home, Ole Miss at home, at Arkansas, at Texas A&M, and then they host Bama in the um, last game of the season. I just don't think that they're going to be able to get to eight wins. Maybe they beat Penn State. Maybe they beat LSU. Um, maybe they beat Ole Miss. But every other game on their schedule is just very tough. I like Auburn under seven and a half. You know what team Auburn really hates? UCF whose win total over under is set at nine. I like the under for the Knights here. Um, their head coach, Josh Heupel is now gone. Um, and they have the 32nd ranked strength of schedule in the entire country. They have a much harder schedule than you would imagine for a team in the American, but they have to play Boise state this week. Um, Boise state obviously lost their, uh, lost their head coach, Brian Harson to Auburn. I mean, man, there's just a lot of, a lot of inter twining here between UCF, Auburn, and, uh, and Boise State here. Um, but Boise State uh, has a, I think, a pretty good chance to beat UCF, although UCF is a five-point favorite in that game. And then UCF also has to play against Louisville um, as another tough out-of-conference game. But then, of course, the American is, it's a weird place to play football. Um, but Cincinnati is a very talented team. SMU is a very talented team. Um, Yes, UCF will beat UConn toward the end of the season. I just want to go on record there. I don't think all is lost, but much like uh, the pick I opened this podcast with, if it's a difference between do I think UCF is going either 10-2 and two 
or eight and four, and I have to pick one of those, I think it is much more likely that they won't go eight and four than 10 and two. I mean, worst case scenario there, you push, you get your money back, but I mean, they lose to Boise State, lose to Louisville, and lose to Cincinnati. They can only lose one game in the months of October and November, one more game in the months of October and November. Um, and I, I just think that there are a lot of, uh, a lot of sleeper teams on their schedule that could really give them a tough time. And when you lost your head coach, um, like they did with Josh Heupel and um, a couple of years after losing Scott Frost, it's just you're, uh, there's not going to be the same confidence, not the same kind of continuity of culture. And without those two things, I think it's very possible that a team like UCF ends up being seven and five, eight and four, and still has a good team um, and can hang with a lot of people. But, you know, the little things that decide college football games, like, you know, the comfort and communication between um, a, uh, a coach and a quarterback in close games, or, you know, kind of coaching staff cohesion as they get ready for some of the bigger, more difficult ones on their schedule, and also kind of how teams handle the games they think they should win. Um, I mean, there are a lot of noon kickoff American athletic conference games that, you know, if you're a student athlete at UCF and have kind of become big time the last couple of years, you're not really worried about playing Temple on the road in Philadelphia. But, you know, a couple of turnovers in the first quarter, you find yourself down 14. And instead of looking up at a Josh Heupel or, or Scott Frost, it's someone that you're not as familiar with, um, or at least you haven't been in the trenches with as much. And I think that that's a, the kind of thing that can definitely cost you a couple of games, especially in a conference as fluky as the American has been over time. Yes, yeah, I mean, UCF has just been trending down ever since that national championship that they won after beating Auburn in what was that? The Sugar Bowl? Was it the Peach Bowl? I don't know. It, it was, was the Peach Bowl. Can you just can you just say the word asterisk so people who are listening to this don't think we're actually being serious? No, it was not the actual national championship. Game. OK, good. That's all that matters. Um, UCF on the downward trend. And I think that that will continue until they are irrelevant, similar to something that we saw um, in Boise State, who is just such a powerhouse in the early 2010s, and now they're just kind of neglected to mention this. So here's the full coaching carousel out of UCF and Auburn and Boise State. Boise State gets Brian Harson. Brian Harson, um, or no, oh, sorry, Boise State sends Brian Harson basically from Boise State to Auburn. Auburn fires Gus Malzahn and sends Gus Malzahn to UCF who now has a week one matchup against the school that the guy who took his job used to work for. So interesting. We love, we love that storyline. Yeah, definitely very obscure, but I mean, really Gus Malzahn, this is, this is what we think the future is. Did they not watch any Auburn games for the last 10 years? Apparently not. And that leads us to our last over under lock. Stone has given us his five. We love them all. We're hammering them all. We're also going to hammer this one. Miami Hurricanes under nine and a half. We are fading Miami. They have to go 10 and two, um, essentially, after they play Bama in the week one opener. I don't see them beating Bama. Um, and I think that once they lose that first game, it's just going to put so much pressure on them to get to 10 wins and hit that over. They have a tough out-of-conference schedule. Um, after the Bama game, they have to play App State. That's a night game. Then they have to play Michigan State. Um, those are two not easy wins, especially um, for they. Uh, Miami definitely didn't take advantage of playing um, cupcakes in the first few weeks, like most ACC ACC teams do. Alabama, App State, Michigan State, not what you call a cakewalk, um, and neither is the ACC Coastal. They're gonna have to go to Chapel Hill to take on UNC. They have to play Pitt on the road, Florida State on the road. Um, 
and NC State and Virginia Tech aren't free wins either. So I think Miami just has a lot of slip ups that could come up, especially with um, a quarterback who doesn't have too much experience. Derek King is coming off an injury. I'm not too high on him. Um, and I think that there's just too many expectations for a team that has too many question marks. Stone, I know how you feel about Miami. So are you gonna, are you riding with me on this under? Absolutely, 100%. Even if I thought Miami would win more than that, if I had to pick between betting what I thought would actually occur versus hate betting Miami in the hopes of watching them lose every game this season, I would hate bet them. Also, they're going to lose to UVA at home on September 30th because of the Thursday night game, and they'll be very caught off guard by that. So just saying. Well, that will do it for our 10 locks college football win total over-unders. We love all these locks. And usually, I mean, locks are locks, but these, I think, we may even hammer. We'll go over them once again. For the unders, Miami Hurricanes, 9.5. Auburn, 7.5. Alabama, 11.5. Florida, 9.5. UCF is... 9. 9. Um, and then, did you have any other unders in there? No, I'm very optimistic about most of college football. Okay. And see, you're the opposite. I had three unders and two overs. You had um, only two unders and three overs. I like that we had that balance there. So our five overs. And we didn't even coordinate. We didn't even coordinate. So that just shows that. We're just perfect compliments. Yes. <laughs> our overs, NC State six and a half, Indiana seven and a half, Vandy a whopping three and a half. And then stone your last two. Put your retirement accounts on it. Texas over seven and a half and UCF under nine. There that is not investing advice, by the way. There they are. There you have them. Um, we hope you get some play with us because there's nothing better than college football. And there's nothing better than turning on the TV on a random Saturday afternoon and seeing a team like UCF or Texas and be like, hey, I'm going to cheer for or against these guys because I had their win total over under. So we hope you enjoy the action and we will see you next time. Thank you, Stone. Thank you.